Hey, hello, I know I've got folks still wandering around in the, both lobbies in the cafe, but would you get their attention by helping me say thank you to our worship team and our prayer team. I'm just checking on Autumn, still here, still enduring, still persevering. That's wonderful. Hey, uh, some of you may know this, but I'm going to just try to try to be somewhat uh, brief. But I want to be—I have some things to say as people are coming in. Uh, we do—I do not have because I do not need—I do not have a lot of guest speakers. And the reason why I don't have a lot of guest speakers, number one reason why, is because I already have a champion series. I'm going to give 10 a.m. one more chance. I—I I don't need guest speakers because I have the champion series. I got a bunch of champions uh, that work here that uh, we give a voice to. You need to hear from them. So uh, I, I don't, and plus it's hard, at our, in our current dynamic, it is difficult to have guests. Our schedule just isn't, doesn't complement uh, having guests. It's just, it's difficult. I told, I told Saturday night that uh, I, I've, had, I've had district leaders that just cannot handle more than one service. I had one person that we only, back when we only had two, someone said, well, I'll, I'll need to speak a, a different message, both services. And I'm just like, yeah, please don't do that. Just do the same one. It's hard, it's just hard, and then timing and schedule. And uh, you may not think that's a big deal, but it can be tempting as a, as a speaker to go, well, I can't just say the same thing. Well, here's what we say at Heritage. All of our services are similar in content and focus, right? <laughs> Similar in content. That means that, of course, every service is going to have its own personality, but the content and the focus are the same. Someone said yay. So we do not have a guest speaker this morning. What we have this weekend is a missionary. We have Assembly of God World Missionary. And that was, and uh, what, I, what I'm hoping is to, uh, for our own identity and spiritual formation, that when I say that out loud in this house, there is a more robust response than that. Because there are folks in this house that say, huh? And that's okay. Some folks go, I don't know what you're talking about. And that is my fault. Because I, I have not included this dynamic in the, the culture and the formation of this house enough. Now, you all give upwards of $40,000 a year to world missions. Yeah, and you do that just knowing like, yep, there are people we support, but I do not have often some of those people come so you can see their faces and hear their heart, know what, know, so you can hear where, where they've been where the, where, and where they're going and why they even did this in the beginning. So I want us to, we're going to have a couple of more, a few more throughout the year. We're gonna, we'll have people come in. It might be midweek, it might be weekend, but it's important for us to hear from these people. And there are four reasons why. Are you ready? The, the, number one is because it's for the Lord. Because we belong to him. And he paid for the whole world. And we are his servants and part of his kingdom. We want to do what honors him. He is in charge. And ultimately we live for him and for his glory. Secondly, we want to have missionaries in because, because of the lost. <laughs> Wow, uh, the lost, I said. I maybe, maybe the mic's not quite on. Uh, 
the lost. There are people that still need to know Jesus, and when people don't know him, their lives uh, are often broken and dark, and they need healing, and they need hope, and they need breakthrough. And we, not all, we, we live here, most of us live here and kind of do our thing, and we have people that, the, uh, for which we pray and, and we're reaching out to. There are broken people all around us, but there are broken people around the world. And as long as we have the resources to do something about it, we have the responsibility to. The, the fourth reason is because of the call. We, re, we are a people who believe in the call of God. Every one of you, if you, if, you, if, if you know the name Jesus and you said yes to him, you said yes to his call, his call to follow him. And everyone who's called to follow him has a, also a responsibility to serve him and his church. And there are those that are, that are a part of that call, like we read about in Acts chapter 13, we read in Acts chapter 13 that there, were, that, there were, that there were at the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And as they were gathered and ministering to the Lord, the Lord said, spoke to them and said to them, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So we recognize that there was all, everybody there, everybody was there in the presence of God. They were people gathered together in worship, and out of that moment, there, people, people heard a specific call to do something unique. So, and, and here's the thing. How many believe that that wasn't the, and then afterwards, if you keep reading, 14 down to 15, in fifth, chapter 15, they come back to Antioch and report to them all that the Lord had done. They came back and said this. They came back to the place where they had been commended to the grace of God, and reported what, what God had done, okay? And how many believe this? It doesn't say it because it's not part of Luke's story, but how, do you, how many of you believe that those were not the last people to hear the call of God and be sent out of Antioch? What we probably heard was just the first ones, or at least these unique stories. And so when we hear about people experiencing the call of God, here's what I'm hoping happens to all of you, that no matter how long it's been, no matter where you are, no matter what your situation in life is, that you will hear now the call of God for you. That everyone, I want, and I especially want, I want Annalie to hear the call of God. I want, I want young, I don't, I don't mean just to pick on Ellie, I'm talking about young, young ladies that are growing up in church, young, these young ladies here, I want them to hear that, hey, God sees you, and that God, and that God has a call on your life no matter what, and it may be something like what you're gonna hear today. And the fourth reason is because of the mission. Would you say the mission? We are a part. Here's what I want you, I'm hoping that you, as you leave this house today, you'll say, I have been reminded of the call of God and the mission of the church. This is just a window into our, our larger opportunity and responsibility as a church that we regularly support and help to send people around the world to do the work of Jesus Christ. And that is worth our saying, thank you, Jesus. And it's also worth you helping me by welcoming, please, our friend, Nancy Valnez. Would you welcome her today? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dev. Wow, it's so good to be with you today. And you know what? You are correct, Pastor Dev, when you say it is sometimes hard to say the same thing over and over because I just have so much in my brain. I could, I could literally keep you here for three days. <laughs> I, I could. 
I won't, but I could. But it is good to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so good to see Pastor Jim and Gloria here. Uh, I tell you what, I, I started with Assemblies of God World Missions in 1988. I was uh, in South America. I did a, an assignment down there. And when I was in South America, um, there were some ministers called the Davenports. And so when I came back to the United States and started raising money for my missions, my new missions assignment, I saw, well, you know, we, like, I have to call all these churches and say, hello, would you like to have a missionary come and talk to you, blah, 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 blah. And I called Pastor Jim, and I thought he was the Davenport from Latin America. And you aren't. <laughs> but you know, you're actually one of the very first pastors that had me in to your church. One of the very f first pastors. And I remember I stayed in your home. And you were just so kind to me. And you believed in me and you supported me. Like literally supported me with money every month, you know. And so like in a very real way, your church, and I, I know that the church has been through a number of renditions, but from Hazeldale on, this church has supported me in my work as an Assembly of God World Missionary. So I, I thank you for that. Because everything that I'm going to tell you today, all of my ministry overseas is based on the funding that I receive every month from supporters. And that monthly support is really so critical to the mission because it allows me to actually be on the mission field. And uh, we also have to have a cash budget that we use to get overseas. And, you know, I, when I get overseas again, I will be finding an apartment and I will be getting set up in my life and I'll be buying plane tickets. And so we've got a lump of cash that we have to um, have for that. So there is a lot of talk about money and missions but um, even though it's always awkward, I'm like, oh, I'm going to say, what the heck? Can I say that from the pulpit? What the heck? <laughs> My mama died last year, so you can't tell her that I said, what the heck, in church, because she would, she would not have approved, and even now I feel it was inappropriate. So, <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I know she's probably not watching on the uh, live stream there, but. <laughs> so, wow, this morning I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my call, where I've been, and where I'm going. Um, I felt called to missions when I was 16 years old. I was at a youth convention uh, with the youth group in my church. Do they, there's still youth conventions, right? Still all go to youth conventions. I was big youth group girl, Bible quiz, Bible quiz, yeah. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judas, Pharisees of Hezron, 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 Ben, Ram, Ram, Like, <laughs> I can still recite the begats from 1978, you know? Yeah, so I love, I love Bible quiz. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. I just snorted. <laughs> but I was very definitely youth group girl. Um, there were a lot of troubled kids in my youth group, though. You know, the church church youth groups are really reflections of the of the culture around, right? God bless the youth pastors. God bless the youth pastors. Give those young men and women the wisdom and the courage to pastor those young lives. Wow, so hats off to youth pastors. And hats off to my youth pastors, um, Bill and Sonia Shaw. They're, they're actually missionaries now themselves, but they kept us in Christ, right? And my gr growing up, I had wonderful senior pastors, lead pastors as well, and they t would always talk about the call of God and just assumed that God could call everyone into full-time ministry. Now, I'm not actually, um, I'm, I'm not saying that one form of a career is better than the other. Because really what we are, we're clergy. Like I'm clergy. I am a career, career clergy person. The Davenports, we're career clergy. That's who we are. And there's a lot of different careers, right? A plethora. I won't even go into them. But I'm here today to talk about the ministry. And... Um, I had that modeled before me. And so when I was at that youth convention and I felt a call to missions, and it wasn't any, you know, it wasn't any voices out of the sky or anything like that. It was just a thought in my heart. Nancy, could you, would you be a missionary? And I actually believed that the Lord was speaking to me. I knew that because it had been modeled before me. Uh, through my family, through the church, and I just said, okay, <laughs> sure, and, uh, but it was very, very clear. It was a clear moment in time for me, and I went home, and I testified in church that God had called me to missions, and uh, that I was going to go to deepest, darkest Africa. Now, I don't think you can say that now. I don't think that's, like, politically correct, but... The deal is, my first term as a missionary was spent in Zaire, the, well, which had been the Belgian Congo and is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. I was 300 kilometers away from the geographic center of the continent. The only way I got to that mission station was on a little airplane, Mission Aviation Fellowship. Seriously, uh, there were pygmies there. Pygmies, like sticks in their noses. One time I saw uh, some teenage pygmy girls. They had big pens in their noses. Like, it's like, oh yeah. Another time, like big pen, like the, the blue lids. Also decorating, very decorative blue pins and lips. You know, culture is culture, beauty is beauty, right? Um, so I really, the Lord really got me into deepest, darkest Africa. <laughs> and, you know, it, it took a while, of course, to get my funding and stuff together. I had to go through the, the process, the first time through of uh, learning, of, of raising budgets. And then I, you have to speak languages. 
Because if you're going to go somewhere and minister, you have to actually speak to people about it. You can't live with a translator forever. So I, my first language to study was Spanish. And that served me in Latin America. And then when I was on my way to Africa, I had to learn French because I was always in French-speaking countries. So I speak French probably as fluent as a woman from the Pacific Northwest is ever going to speak it. Um, along the way, I've had to learn two African languages. I learned those languages well enough to be able to understand people, but would actually rely on translators to say what I wanted to say, because it was already all happening in French, <laughs> you know, so you're translating through languages anyway. Um, but I got, I got that language stuff down and got to, got to Zaire, landed in there. And I was so thankful that I had that specific call to deepest, darkest Africa because I sat down in Zaire about a month into the Rwandan genocide. So uh, think about a family, a mother and a father, sending their 30-year-old daughter uh, into that kind of setting. Because the genocide was, for all practical purposes, a war. And I sat down in the middle of that for four months. And my mom said, my mom said afterwards, and she would write letters. This was a cool thing about the olden days. You know, we came in and out on airplanes, and so every time there was a, a Mission Aviation Fellowship flight coming in, uh, we always had letters. And my little mama, she would write three letters a week, and then she would, she would number the back of them so I would know that I would get them in return. And so it was just, it was, it was really a beautiful thing how the Lord gave them peace, that I was in the right place. And that's what Mother uh, would say. I would rather have Nancy serving in the middle of the jungle than at the hospital in Bremerton if that's where God has called her. So the, I'm, I'm thankful for that very specific call. Um, my parents were thankful for that. So anyway, just to back up a little bit, I knew that to be a missionary, I had to be clergy. I had to be a Son of God, uh, ordained pastor. So I got my Bible education, and then I got some uh, nursing education. So I also have a bachelor's in nursing. I'm a registered nurse. So when I got to Africa, I found the HIV epidemic, and that was after the genocide. <laughs> It was crazy. But um, you know what, though? I would do it all over again. I would do it all over again. I would probably be smarter on some personal mistakes that I made, because who shouldn't be smarter about personal mistakes, right? But I would do it all over again, because I know then, as I do now, that God will always prepare the path ahead of me. And so um, I got in there, and I found the AIDS epidemic. And um, it, it, I, I've never been far since that time. My heart has never been far from uh, causes of, of, of injustice, uh, human suffering, 
all this painful, achy stuff that people live through on the planet. And that is precious to me. If I could do anything all over again, I would come alongside more people. Because there's just so, something so um, powerful about coming alongside people in their achy neediness. And I've, I've seen a lot of, I would say most of my ministry, I've come alongside people who find themselves in situations of, of unequal power. For whatever reason, people who have less power than those around them and the people with the power do not exercise that power justly. That just ticks me off. It has to tick somebody off. You know, I've, I've had people in the past tell me that, um, and this was about personal issues. It's like, you know, sometimes you just have to trust and you have to wait for the Lord to move. You know what? Sometimes God moves through a person. I'm like, God, move through me because I am ticked off and I have you and I know that this is wrong. And so I have often had the platform to speak of these things. Um, and as coming alongside the suffering and people who are um, in situations of injustice, and in a very real way, that is HIV. Um, I was in Africa for 15 years, and then I left. Um, I burned out, as you can imagine, and eventually uh, made my way to uh, another ministry in the Assemblies of God. It was called the Global AIDS Partnership. And in the Global AIDS Partnership, I was able to travel all over the world at the invitation of uh, missionary colleagues and national church partners. And I ministered, did HIV AIDS trainings, talking about prevention. Um, I would say probably the, the bulk of my biblical ministry has been on biblical sexuality. And how does, what does, how does God instruct us to manage our sexuality? And it's a very complicated subject, as you can imagine. But I do, I've taught about prevention, God's plan, dealing with ramifications when things go off plan, because that's the messy reality of life, right? We have an ideal, and then we mess up. We don't always have to mess up. So if you mess up, if you make an intentional decision to mess up, that's, well, that's not really intellectually honest. <laughs> You know, but it happens, right? And so then dealing with the ramifications of that, coming alongside people with broken sexuality. Um, I've made a career of it. And I've seen God do really amazing things in people's hearts and lives. Restoration and um, wholeness and beauty going forward, forgiveness. I find that people have a very difficult time forgiving themselves. You know, when, when, you, when there are consequences, too. So, you know, a lot of times people do stuff, and it doesn't seem there are any consequences. But I know the people who've lived with the consequences. So it's, it's powerful ministry. 
It's a very powerful ministry. So, um, and that was interesting doing on a global on the on, a, on the global scene and just understanding how HIV looks different everywhere. And so um, that was five years with Global AIDS Partnership, and then it was time to get back overseas because. I am thankful to be American, don't get me wrong, but living in America is kind of boring. <laughs> Unless you're hanging up and hanging out in Tukwila when it's like, what is that language? Like, I th you know, the, one of the zip codes in Seattle area is the most linguistically diverse zip code in the country. So, I mean, there's a lot going on, a lot of people, and I just love that, that's my scene. So um, it was time to get back overseas, so I went to Russia. And Russia has the fastest growing HIV uh, epidemic in the world, and that is because of injecting drug use, is how it started. But it, HIV has so saturated the injecting drug population that it has now um, become a generalized epidemic, a generalized sexually transmitted epidemic. And whereas in Africa, the African nations have all rolled it back. I mean, a million people still die every year from AIDS. It's not like it's over. But in Russia, I would say it is burning out of control. And now since the war started, you have less and less resources going. And who are the resources headed to? Men and women who inject drugs. Well, do you think they get a break in life? It's, again, how do you, how, how, life is not so black and white. Life is not so black. Well, you raise your hand if you know life is not so black and white. We know that it's not. And so when it comes to dealing with men and women with addiction issues, I mean, they know that they've done things harmful to themselves. They know that. But the problem with addiction is that it's addictive. You don't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and walk out of addictions. And then along with that, you've got these deep-rooted um, implications, stigma, marginalization, and in Russia, with so, there's so many people living with substance abuse issues. And uh, right after the, the fall of the Soviet Union, there was this massive influx of heroin coming up from the South. And so you had heroin that just spread like wildfire. And now they've actually moved past the heroin into these new synthetic drugs and that are like kill you after one use. They are awful. Who, can you imagine the devil in the person that creates those formulas? The devil in the people who create those networks that distribute that, that poison? Dear God. Help us, help us, help us. So I come alongside those folks. It's like, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. Now you have HIV and you're going to die if you don't get on treatment. 
And unfortunately, in Russia, treatment is very difficult to get for people who are living outside the system, who are already marginalized. It's such a vicious cycle. But I was able to work within the networks of the Pentecostal Church Associated Alcohol and Drug Rehab uh, Centers, and I love Russian believers. I love Russian believers, and I'm, I'm sad for... Of course, I'm sad for Ukraine, but I'm also so sad for Russia. I'm so sad for Russia for what they are living with now. And I don't know how it's going to get better, but I guess that's not really my problem to worry about, is it? That's what we get to pray about. That's why we watch the news. <laughs> I, I am a news junkie, honestly. I, I don't, I don't, I, I cannot tolerate U.S. news. I just, it's just mean, it's nasty. I just, like, don't say mean and nasty things to people. Don't say it. Don't do it. What, what do you hope to achieve? And when Christians say dumb things, then that reflects on Christ. It reflects on Christ because we are his body and we represent him. Again, another platform I will not go down. Um, now where was I again? Um, prayer. We should always do it. Um, no, this train is not coming back. But moving forward now... Um, I loved the Russian church, and I loved their commitment to ministering to the broken. And I didn't want to leave Russia. Circumstances um, caused it to happen. I was brokenhearted because I had really grown to love Russia and the Russian people and the Russian language. So it was hard to leave. It's sad to think that I can't go back. But... Um, I am now, I have a new assignment where I'm going to be going to the country of Austria and living in the city of Vienna, which I still can't believe. I mean, I've lived in the jungle. I've lived in the desert. I lived in St. Petersburg, Russia, and then I lived in Siberia for a couple of years, and I thought I would spend the rest of my career in Siberia, and I'm not. And honestly, now that I'm not in Siberia anymore, it's okay. <laughs> Siberia was kind of a beautiful place, right? So beautiful, but like in retrospect, not the easiest place to be. <laughs> so now I have this opportunity to go to, um, go to Austria. I really kind of fought against Austria because I like the achiness. Like I, I, I love coming alongside. I just, I remember when I was just a little girl, I heard my mom say to someone that I had the gift of compassion. And interesting that my mom, she didn't know I was saying it, but that is something the Lord has given to me, and it's a tool for ministry. And I am not afraid of the achy places, and I appreciate and love the people and respect the people in the achy places. Because you know what? The broken down person in the alleyway, that life is just 
as beautiful and valuable as the highest end person driving the best cars, living in the most beautiful places. There's, there's an equality to humanity, and it's such an honor for me to get to come alongside these men and women of great dignity, suffering in indignity. So I, Austria wasn't a big draw to me personally, even though Vienna is like this fabulous city. Like, well, I was thinking the Balkans, Serbia, Bosnia, um, anything, but the Somebody's God leadership, they really thought Vienna was going to be a good fit for me, and honestly, I would be a fool not to think that it's really cool and embrace it, but it's actually a super, um, it's a super central place to base. Now, remember, I have worked in these Russian rehab centers. I've been to uh, Europe and Eurasia Teen Challenge, you know, Teen Challenge is the Alcohol Drug Ministry of the Assemblies of God, and it's international, so I know men and women in leadership in Europe, uh, Teen Challenge, and the Eurasia Teen Challenge, and now by basing in Vienna, uh, Vienna is connected to the whole of Europe by train, and I really prefer train travel over plane travel because it's just easier, you know, to get on an airplane. You have to leave three hours in advance. You have to get there. You check in, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it can take eight hours to fly for 45 minutes, whereas on a train, you get to the train station, you give them your ticket, you walk up on the train, you sit down, you get to your place, you step off, and you get in the car. I mean, it's just really easy. So Vienna um, is a great place in that it gives access to, to rails. And from there, I have opportunity to um, <laughs> access men and women living with addictions, HIV infections, sexually transmitted infections throughout the whole of Europe. So I, I really, I, I do believe that the years coming up are the best, the, the best is yet to come in my life. But I really do need you to pray for me. I have pray, prayer cards out front and a little prayer card. That's a good part of Assemblies of God missionary culture. So there's some uh, cultural artifacts out in the uh, lobby this morning, these little prayer cards. And um, people pick up the prayer cards and put them in their Bible or on their refrigerator, and they pray for missionaries. Like, I still go into places that have missionary prayer cards or people that will show me, like, I was in a church last year, and she showed me my missionary prayer card from 1996. I'm like, that is a weird picture. Will you please rip that up? <laughs> but she, was, she thought it was cool. And you know what? She's prayed for me all those years. Wow, weird picture or not, you know? That's a blessing. So out there, you've got those cultural artifacts. And so pick up a prayer card, and then there's a bookmark about Europe. And there's also um, a magazine out there about the ministry of Islamist God World Missions in Europe. So pray for me. And my, my number one need now is the money to get out of here. 
I need like 2,500 a month in pledges, about 20,000 cash, and I have to have it by June. And if the Lord doesn't bring it in, then whatever. I just like I can't. I can't even raise up the ire to care. I mean, I want to go. I mean, I want to do this with all my heart, but I just I'm exhausted. The, I'm telling you what, the money stuff this time around is the most difficult thing. I'd be, rather be going back into the genocide. I am not joking. That is the stress of fundraising on me this time around. I, it's been really hard. So please pray that the Lord would just provide that for me so I can get out of here. Because I want to get out of here. I mean, I love y'all. Thank you for having me. But it's I, there's something else for me to do. So... Yeah, that's, that's it. The Lord has planted an, a, an idea, a thought in your heart today about a call to ministry. Just don't be afraid to explore that with him. We talk about the young, but what about the medium age? What about the old? How do you know you're old? I'm not. I'm medium. I'm medium. That's right. Good, strong medium. Going to be learning German. So, um, yeah. God is speaking to you on this. Explore that with him. Ask him to reveal more to you. Because a call to ministry is not easy, but it is so valuable. It's kingdom work. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, would you do me this favor? We're going to pray over Nancy. I want you to stretch your hands towards her. We're going to pray for the, for all the funds to be met. What you need to know, again, let me remind you, Heritage supports Nancy monthly, which is amazing. But this weekend, we are helping raise the funds to get her out of here. Like she said, she's ready to go. And we want to send her because what do we say here? Where you go, we so we're going to Austria. Yeah, we and we're going to save and help the lost and the broken and the outcast. And so I want you to join me in praying for this modern day Joan of Arc who serves, has served for her whole life and continues to. All right, Lord, we thank you for Nancy. We thank you, Father, that you will provide. Lord, I pray that this, between now and June, it's so easy, that the hardship of the of the raising of funds would stop and it would just flow in and be so easy. Everywhere she goes, people are going to throw money at her. I pray for this. Lord, she has been faithful in her obedience to you every single day of her life. We honor her obedience. We ask that you would provide every need, bless her both health physically and emotionally as she prepares. I thank you that German will come easy to her. And we thank you, Father, for the testimonies we'll hear from her when she returns. We bless her in Jesus' name. All right, so here's what we'd like to do. If you'll stand, we're going to close the service this way. Um, As she had mentioned, and, and even Dav at the beginning, that if you are sensing this morning the call of God, on your life, specifically even the call of God to be a missionary or just, you might not even know what it is, but you're just like, oh, my heart feels something. Nancy wants to pray with you. So we're gonna ask you just to come up here and she'll take time to pray with and over you. Um, The rest of you, we love you. God bless you. And again, if you, I reminded you that you were gonna want to use that guest option and this is why. We're going to Austria. We are going to meet with and minister to the broken of the world. We are.
That was a good way of saying it, sweetie. We are. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and give you his grace. And if you are feeling today anything, you don't have to understand it all. Just know there's something stirring. Let's take a minute to pray together. Come on, come on down. Just wait here and Nancy will find you. Maybe some others, but we'll pray. Otherwise, the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful weekend.